Welcome to the Bible Breakdown. It's a black man and woman in America who no longer identify as believers. This show contains adult languages, themes, and isn't meant for children. As black people, we respect the history of the black church in America, but its current state is massively abusive and we think the Bible might be part of the problem. Listen and let us know what you think. Peace. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bible Breakdown. I'm your host, Kat. And I'm TK. How are you doing today, TK? Trucking on. All right, that's all we can do. Um, I wanted to take a moment to acknowledge some new listeners we have. I was going over the analytics, and we've had like a nice jump in listenership. So thank you, everyone who's tuning in. Um, and we'd love to hear from you. So if you have any questions or suggestions or compliments, uh, we'd love to hear them. Yep. Bible Breakdown Podcast at gmail.com. And we're also on Instagram. Yep. Bible Breakdown Podcast. Yeah. So um, last time on the Bible Breakdown, we, we started the Saul saga the first king of israel mm-hmm. and um he killed a bunch of ammonites but to be fair the ammonites were gouging people's eyes out as they so do yeah which wasn't cool um he got anointed by samuel who poured some oil over, gave him a hot oil treatment and gave him a little kissy kiss and now we are um, up to First Saul 13, and we tend to read the New Revised Standard Version of the um, Bible in English uh, because that's the easiest one for us to read. Yes, yes, yes. Um. Okay. Well, do you have anything else before we jump in? I'm just gonna get straight to it today. I mean, hey, that's what the people came for. Okay. Um, Samuel, 1 Samuel 13, Saul's unlawful sacrifice. Saul was years old. Saul was, <laughs> is that supposed to be a number? The number is lacking in the Hebrew text. The verse is lacking in the sp- sp- Septuagint. Septuagint. So he was he was a certain age. Okay. Saul was blank years old when he began to reign and he reigned. And two years over Israel, Saul chose 3,000 out of Israel. 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash in the hill country of Bethel. And 1,000 were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. The rest of the people he sent home to their tents. Jonathan defeated the garrison of the Philistines that was at Geba. And the Philistines heard of it. And Saul blew the trumpet throughout all of the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. When all Israel heard that Saul had defeated the garrison of the Philistines, and also that Israel had become odious to the Philistines, the people were called out to join Saul at Gilgah. The Philistines mustered to Israel. The Philistines mustered to fight with Israel. Thirty thousand chariots and six thousand horsemen and troops like the sand on the seashore and multitude. They came up in encamped at Michmash to the east of Beth Avon. When the Israelites saw that they were in distress, for the troops were hard pressed, the people hid themselves in caves and in holes and in rocks and in tombs and in cisterns. Some Hebrews crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul was still at Gilgah 
and all the people following him trembling. He waited several days. The he waited several days. Look, several. He waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people began to slip away from Saul. So Saul said, Bring the burnt offering here to me, and the offerings of well-being. And he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, Samuel arrived and Saul went out to meet him and salute him. Samuel said, What have you done? Saul replied, When I saw the people were slipping away from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines were mustering at Michmash, I said, Now the Philistines were now the Philistines will come down upon me at Gilga, and I have now and I have not entreated the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself in the burnt in the offer and offered the burnt offering. Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. The Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom will not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has appointed him to be ruler over the people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. And Saul left and went on his way from Gilgah. Samuel. And Samuel left and went on his way from Gilgah. The rest of the people from followed Saul to join the army. They went up from Gilgah toward Gibeah of Benjamin. Preparation for battle. Saul counted the people who were present with him, about 600 men. Saul, his son Jonathan, and the people who were present with them stayed in Geba uh, of Benjamin. But the Philistines encamped at Michmash. And raiders came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. One company turned toward Orpah to the land of Shual. Another company turned toward Beth Horon. And another company toward, turned toward the mountain that looks down the valley of Zeboim toward the wilderness. Now, there was no smith to be found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, the Hebrews must not take swords or spears for themselves. So, all the so all the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen their plowshare, mattocks, axes, and sickles. The charge was two thirds of a shekel for the plowshares and for the mattocks, and one third of a shekel for sharpening the axes for setting the goads. So on the day of battle, neither sword nor spear was to be found in the possession of any of the people with Saul and Jonathan. The Saul and his son Jonathan had them. Jonathan surprises and routes the Philistines. Now a garrison of the Philistines had gone out to the path of Michmash. Think these thanks be to God. You know, I'm just gonna come right out and say it. This isn't good storytelling. Oh, yeah, that shit was terrible. Um, they were all over the place. They just introduced a new character out of nowhere. At least, you know, Jonathan has entered the game, which is um, you know, excuse me interesting because he ends up being important later but you know we don't we, we don't know how old Saul is like I think this is there's just a translation note that they weren't able to really figure it out because probably they had a different like age keeping mm-hmm. maybe like I, I, I read somewhere like the way people keep ages I think in like Korea is like different so they, they have like a Korean age and then like their sort of American mm-hmm. age 
Um, that was kind of interesting, but um, but what I got from the story was, you know, Saul was on his way to do some more killing. Um, they were losing, so he made a sacrifice. It sounds like I don't even know that Saul knew that he wasn't allowed to make sacrifices. It sounds like he was like Samuel's like, "Hey, you doing my job?" And now God's gonna be mad at you. And he was making it sound like it was Saul's fault, but honestly, it didn't really seem. It seemed like Saul was just trying to make the best out of a bad situation. And then we found out the prices for um, getting your sword sharpened. Apparently that was important to mention. They really remembered like how they were getting screwed over for that. And basically it sounds like just like because Saul and Jonathan were rich, they were the only ones who were able to have weapons is what I got from that. Well, okay. Um, according, according to our third co-host. Um, and who would that be? Chat GPT. Saul, the king of Israel. Um, so Saul 13 is about Saul, the king of Israel, reigns for two years and chooses 3,000 men, including this son, Jonathan, for his army. Jonathan defeats a Philistine garrison, provoking the Philistines' anger and leading them to assemble a massive army against Israel. The Israelites are greatly outnumbered and in fear. Saul, waiting for Samuel's arrival to offer sacrifices before battle, grows impatient and performs the sacrifices himself. Samuel arrives and rebukes Saul, telling him that his kingdom will not endure because he did not obey the Lord's command. The Philistines have a technological advantage, possessing iron weapons, while the Israelites largely have only agricultural tools so that is basically that should track everything that we just discussed um i have no real thoughts for this i mean i agree this is this was not good storytelling at all um it's uh, a lot of this bible also just makes me feel like i'm just reading tongue twisters because they just say the same shit over and over um well, like, uh, well, for people who are new listeners, um, Kat often likes to remind people that the Bible, with a lot of these stories that we're reading right now, started off as oral traditions. And when you're memorizing stuff, repetition is good. So, you know, that's why we're seeing a lot of repetition and sort of droning on and on. But I agree with you. I don't, I don't particularly enjoy that. But I see why it's there. Okay, so... One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father, probably because they were going to do it. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gilba under the pomegranate tree that is at Migron. The troops that were with him were about 600 men, along with uh, Alijah, son of Ahitub, Ichabach's brother, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord of Shiloh, carrying an ephod. Now the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. In the pass by which Jonathan tried to get go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on one side and a rocky crag on the other. The name of the one was Bozes, and the other was and the name of the other was Seneth. One crag rose on the north in the front of Mishmash and the other on the south in front of Geba. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will act for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. His armor bearer said to him, 
do all that your mind inclines to. I am with you, as your mind is, so is mine. Then Jonathan said, Now we will cross over to those men and show ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait until we come to you, wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and we will not go up to them. But if they say, Come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has given them into our hand. That will be the sign for us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, and the Philistines said, Look, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden themselves. The men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer saying, come up to us and we will show you something. <laughs> Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet with his armor bearer following him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer coming after them. The Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor-bearer coming after him killed them. In the first slaughter, Jonathan and his armor-bearer killed about 20 men within an area about half a furlough long and an acre of land. There was a panic in the camp, in in the field, and among the people. The garrison and even the raiders trembled. The earth quaked, and it became a very great panic. Saul's outlooks and Gilbish of Benjamin were watching as the multitude was surging back and forth. Then Saul said to the troops that were with him, Call the row and see who has gone from us. When they had called the row, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. Saul said to Ijah, Bring the ark of God here. For at that time the ark of God went with the Israelites. When Saul was talking to the priests, the tumult at the camp of the Philistines increased more and more, and Saul said to the priests, Withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and went into battle, and every sword that was against the other, so that there was great confusion. Now the Hebrews who had previously been with the Philistines and had gone up with them into the camp, turned and joined the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, when the Israelites who had gone into the hiding in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were fleeing, they too followed closely after them in battle. So the Lord gave Israel the victory that day. The battle passed beyond Beth-Avon, and the troops with Saul numbered together about 10,000 men. The battle spread out over the hill country of Ephraim. Saul's Rash Oath Now Saul committed a very rash act on that day. He laid an oath on the troops, saying, Curse be anyone who eats food before it is evening, and I have been avenged of my enemies. So none of the troops tasted food. All the troops came upon the honey com- all the troops came upon a honeycomb, and there was honey on the ground. When the troops came upon the honeycomb, the honey was dripping out of it, but they did not put their hands to their mouths, for they feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard his father charge the troops with the oath, so he extended the staff that was in his hand and dipped the tip of it in the honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth and his eyes brightened. The one one of the soldiers said, Your father strictly charged the troops with an oath, saying, Curse be anyone who eats food this day. And so the troops are faint. Then Jonathan said, My father has troubled the land. See how my eyes have brightened because I tasted a little of this honey? How much better if today the troops had eaten freely of the spoil taken from their enemies? For now the slaughter amongst the Philistines has not been great. After that, they sh- after they had struck down the Philistines that day from Mishmash to Ash- 
Ajalon, the troops were very faint. So the troops flew upon the spoil and took sheep and oxen and calves and slaughtered them on the ground. The troops ate them with the blood. Then it was reported to Saul, look, the troops are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood. And he said, you have dealt treacherously. Roll a large stone before me here. Saul said, disperse yourselves among the troops and say to them, let all bring their oxen or their sheep and slaughter them here and eat and do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. So all the troops brought their oxen with them that night and slaughtered them there. And Saul built an altar to the Lord. And it was the first altar that he ever built for the Lord. Jonathan in danger of death. Then Saul said, let us go down after the Philistines by night and to spoil them until the morning light. Let us not leave one of them. They said, do whatever seems good to you. But the priest said, let us draw near to God here. So Saul inquired of God, shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you give them into the hand of Israel? But he did not answer him that day. Saul said, come here. All you leaders of the people, and let us find out how this sin has arisen today. For as the Lord lives who saves Israel, even if it is my son Jonathan, he shall surely die. But there was no one among all the people who answered him. He said to all Israel, you shall be on one side and, and I and my son Jonathan will be on the other side. The people said to Saul, do what seems good to you. Then Saul said, Oh, Lord God of Israel, why have you not answered your servant today? If this guilt is on me or on my son Jonathan, oh, Lord God of Israel, give Urim. But this, but if this guilt is in your people of Israel, give Thummimim. And Jonathan and Saul were indicated by the lot, but the people were cleared. Then Saul said, cast the lot between me and my son Jonathan. And Jonathan was taken. Then Saul said to Jonathan, tell me what you have done and Jonathan told him I tasted a little honey with the tip of my staff that was in my hand here I am I will die Saul said God do so to me and more also you shall surely die Jonathan then the people saw, said to Saul shall Jonathan die who has accomplished this great victory in Israel far from it as the Lord lives, not one hair of his head shall fall to the ground, for he has worked with God today. So the people ransomed Jonathan, and he did not die. Then Saul withdrew from pursuing the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. When Saul had taken the kingship over Israel, he had fought against all the enemies on every side, against Moab, against the Ammonites, about the, against Edom, against the kings of Zobeth, against the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he routed them. He did vigilantly and struck down the Amalekites and rescued Israel out of the hands of those who plundered them. Now the sons of Saul were Jonathan, Ishviv, and Malkishuan, and the names of his daughters were these. The names of the firstborn were Merab and the name of the younger Michael. The name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, daughter of Ahamaz. And the name of the commander of his army was Abner, son of Ner. Saul's uncle Kish was the father. What? Saul's uncle Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner, the father of Abner, was the son of Abiel. There was a hard fight against the Philistines all the days of Saul, and when Saul saw any stronger, valiant warrior, he took him into his service. <sighs> that was a lot. Yeah, I feel like they may have packed too much into one chapter. 
uh, if I could give that note. Um, well, thank you for your notes. We'll take them into consideration. Okay. Um, wasn't the most compelling chapter for me, uh, personally, but we personally. I mean, what's been the most compelling chapter? Um, like what compels you? I feel like we've had a few moments where I was like, oh, that was a really good story. Yeah. Um, I think the, I think the Hannah story was told well, like Samuel's mom. I don't even remember that. So uh, wow, so it wasn't that great. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like the storytelling, the structure of that was good. This one, this is so, um, this is like a DC movie. Like you're trying to pack way too much in here because you're setting everything up for later. But they probably this could have easily been three chapters. But I'm gonna give you what I took this as. So Jonathan. Jonathan is kind of the problem. Uh, yeah. yeah. I get the, if I had to picture Jonathan in my head, what his life was like, it sounds like he's probably uh, maybe Saul's favorite son. He's probably cute too. Cause usually if your daddy's cute, you're cute. So um, he's probably handsome. So he and the, his sword bearer just leave the camp. Okay. And without telling anybody. And to me the subtext is they probably went somewhere to go fuck and I heard you laugh at that yeah and uh, while they were searching for a place to fuck they came upon the Philistines encampment which was kind of in the you know but they were in between like these crags and so the Philistines were up top and they were like hey come here we want to show you something it's like it just made me laugh because it made me think of Fire Marshal Bill. So like, let me show you something. And but they probably wanted to show. I don't him even dick. know who that is, but okay. Oh, you know. Oh, that. And I'm sorry. I'm old. This is from In Living Color. Gotcha. For everybody who's old, you're welcome. Sorry, your back hurts. And so, um, so yeah, they're like okay, because and then they were coming when they were talking to each other. He was like, okay, well, if they do this, we're gonna do this, and if they do this, we're gonna do this. And his sword bearer is like, we're like one mind, like whatever you want to do, I'll do, which was also kind of like. Ugh. So um, they go up to uh, the Philistines and they they kill twenty of them because one of the things Jonathan's saying is like, look, you can kill with a bunch of people or just a couple people. Watch. And so, yeah, it was kind of like a very Batman and Robin scene where two guys are kind of like taking on a group of thugs. Once again, and the Philistines, what they've done wrong is not being circumcised. And so uh, they kill them. And then when Saul, uh, like back at his camp, he's like, look, we're doing good. I, I want us to fast until we kill everybody, which is probably a technique to reserve resources as well. Okay. But he's basically he's making it sound like I promised God I wouldn't do it. And if you break a promise to God, we learned from old dude who had to kill his daughter. You got to kill people if you don't keep your oath. Okay. So um, and so and but they're trying to blame it on Saul. But it's like, why does God let you enter into these bad contracts? Like God is just and once again, the fact that God, you know, Sam, they're like, oh, y'all are you know eating the blood because they're once again probably starving so they're eating raw meat and so such a big part of their religion seems to be like making a barbecue so finally Saul's like ah, I'm gonna make my first altar and then they you know 
I guess sacrificed the right way I don't know um it's also interesting we have some of the like um phrases we use a lot in English like I won't even let it harm a hair on your head like not even one hair of his head shall fall to the ground um and yeah and then he just kind of keeps oh we finally we get the name of Saul's children even his daughters and his wife I, I never knew that was in there I don't know if I said her name right but she made it into the bible which is impressive yeah you know they don't normally do that for oh sorry I left out one thing so when Saul made this oath he uh Jonathan didn't know about it because once again he was off on some fuck shit and so he ended up eating some you know honey when nobody else was allowed to eat and everyone's like and then they casted lots that's how they figured out who fucked up they were basically rolling dice that's what casting lots means so that's how they're so they're treating everything kind of like a magic eight ball like it's like lord if they do this or is this gonna happen whatever so um and they but they basically there's you can ransom people which basically is you pay off the priest and then you don't have to kill that person all right so you also were not a fan of this chapter i mean i was entertained it was just too it was just a clusterfuck like i'm like whoa um but like i bet as far as like oh my gosh this was so amazing no i'm not ready to convert to christianity yet i I don't see how where the correlation or the connection would be anyway. Like, what what about this would make me want to convert? Well, because this is technically the bloodline that's going to lead up to Jesus, who becomes so, okay, the ultimate that's cool. sacrifice. He becomes the ultimate sacrifice so we don't have to sacrifice animals to calm down our bloodthirsty lord i mean that's fine but like <laughs> when i admire people i care about those people i don't particularly necessarily care about the their their, their extended family or people who came before or after them oh that was the thing that was interesting too because he said Okay, because when they were doing his lineage, because I'm like, it must have been one of those situations where he's like, somebody's brother must have died, and so uh, the other brother has to come in and have kids for him. Because it said, I remember that. Okay, because it said Saul's uncle Kish was the father of Saul. So to me, that like sentence didn't make sense for real, at least not in a biological sense, but according to the rules there if you know a man dies then his uncle has to have sons for or his brother has to sleep with the widow so that he can have sons if he died before he could have sons oh man just imagine if we had these laws today um i i i it the word oppression comes to mind because <laughs> you know what it would look like it would look a lot like middle eastern countries that like aren't developed like when we think about like this is very this is where all of this stuff comes from they're just still doing it Uh, i remember some because some places like yeah when they show up they'll like slit a goat's throat in front of you so you know the meat is fresh that night it's like you know what i don't really like that you just like your goat already did and you don't have to worry about it yeah and slaughtered in a sanitary facility like a lot of this stuff and that's what's interesting to me too a lot of these like 
uh, ritualistic like cleanliness rules. I'm sure a lot of it was to avoid like foodborne illnesses. Like, of course, like you can say like the Lord gave us these laws not to eat like raw meat, but like that's just good advice. Like, I think most societies probably had that rule because they noticed when you eat raw meat, you die. Because mm. you got to cook that shit Would because you... of foodborne pathogens, which they didn't have the, you know, technology to understand back then. They did not. Um... And the Lord didn't know either. That's what's so weird. It's like, the Lord, why didn't you tell us like we needed soap and like cook this over fire? free will and how to make pipes so that we have you know people we're we're so used to modern conveniences but like that really changes your life like having like sewage systems but he gave you the ability to figure it out yeah and then but like okay but any other time he's like you like, want god to do everything for you that's what that's I mean, the argument he, he that had I've enough heard. time to tell us how many like cubits high the altar had to be or whatever it's like why not give us some advice on how to like have reliable birth control so the women don't keep dying yes but anyway um yeah like i said no i, I didn't necessarily love this but um but i do feel like saul is being unnecessarily blamed for a lot of stuff and that Jonathan is a bit of a fuckboy. Oh, oh, Jonathan. And also, he was the only one who didn't who did get to eat while they were in prison. Um, supposedly, according to Chat GPT, um, that was because he just didn't know that they weren't supposed to eat. But he got his strength back while everybody else didn't. And also, too, the Lord be talking to people. Why didn't the Lord tell Jonathan? It's like, hey, heads up. I know you guys don't have walkie-talkies yet because I haven't allowed you to develop those yet, whatever. But uh, your your dad made an oath. So if you eat anything, he's going to have to sacrifice you to me. <laughs> I don't know why the Lord. I mean, <sighs> these are all very logical questions, but. We live in an illogical world, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, yeah. But um, we do learn that sort of Saul is building up an army because a lot of people who were scared before and had hot, went into their little hidey hoes, now that they know that the Israelites are winning, they're like, hey, we're back on board. Let's hop on that bandwagon. I heard you got some goats. <laughs> oh, man. Um yeah i don't know all right let's do you want to do samuel or 15 me do samuel 15 or you have anything else samuel oh no six. i'm all done i can't i can't talk yeah Oof. too much to go into all right samuel 15 saul defeats the amalekites but spares amalekites amalekites thank you you're welcome saul defeats the amalekites but spares their king samuel said to saul the Lord sent me to anoint your king over his people Israel. Now, therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish the Amalekites for what they did in opposing the Israelites when they came out of nothing, when they came out of Egypt. I don't even know where I got that from. Um, now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have. Do not spare them. 
but kill both man and women, child and infant, ox and sheep, caramel, camel, camel, <laughs> camel and donkey. So Saul summoned the people and numbered them in Telaim. 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 soldiers of Judah. Saul came to the city of the Amalekites and lay in wait in the valley. Saul said to the Kenites, Go, leave, withdraw from among the Amalekites, or I will destroy you with them. For you show kindness to all the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt. Up out of Egypt. So the Kenites withdrew from the Amalekites. Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt. He took King Agag of Amalekites alive, but utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the cattle and of the fatlings and the lambs and all that was valuable and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they utterly destroyed. Saul rejected as king. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I made Saul king. For he has turned back from following me and has not carried out my commands. Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all night. Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul and Samuel was told Saul went to Carmel where he set up a monument for himself and on returning he passed on down to Gilda. When Samuel came to Saul, Saul said to him, May you be blessed by the Lord. I have carried out the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears and the, low, and the lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to the sacrifice to the Lord your God. But the rest we have utterly destroyed. And Samuel said to Saul, Stop! I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. He replied, Speak. Samuel said, though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribe of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go, utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the war? Lord, why did you swoop down on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? Samuel said to Saul, Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But from the spoil, the people took sheep and cattle, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgah. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord surely to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams for rebellion is no less a sin than divination and stubbornness is like iniquity in idolatry idolatry but because idolatry idolatry because you have rejected the Lord of the because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord in your words, because I have feared the people and they obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, I pray, pardon my sin and return with me so that I may worship the Lord. Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. As Samuel turned to go away, Saul caught hold on the hem of his robe and tore it. 
in, in a tour and Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this very day and has given it to a, a neighbor of yours who is better than you. Moreover, the glory of Israel will not recant or change his mind for he is not a mortal that he should change his mind. Then Saul said, I have sinned yet honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel and return with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel turned back after Saul and Saul worshiped the Lord. Then Samuel said, bring a God king of the Amalite. Um, yeah, Amalite uh, what's the word again? Amalekites here to me and a God came to him haltingly. Agag said, surely this is the bitterness of death. But Samuel said, as your sword has made women children childless as your sword has made women childless so your mother shall be childless among women and, Sam damn. <laughs> and Samuel uh, hewed Agog in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal the Samuel, then Samuel went to Ramah and Samuel went up to his house of Gibeah of Saul Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death but Samuel grieved over Saul and the Lord was sorry that he made Saul king over Israel but I thought he is not a mortal that he should change his mind. Like, why is he? Okay. Thanks be to God. Um, I have some thoughts. Okay. Well, please give them to us. So we were discussing earlier kind of like the effects of gaslighting mm -hmm. and just how that makes you feel crazy. Like, there's... I feel bad for Saul like my heart really goes out to Saul because he's being gaslit like a motherfucker and when I'm thinking about like the context because it sounds like a breakup because like he's yeah. really like trying to hurt his feelings he was like God was wrong about you he found somebody better than you like this is like classic abuse tactics and it's like one minute you're pouring oil on him and making out because it's like, oh, God chose you. You're so special. I know you don't want to, but God needs you. And so now Saul's like, OK, I'm into the role. I'm doing my best. You know, oh. I got these soldiers. I'm trying to, you know, I went from like 600 men. Now I got 10,000 soldiers. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm gonna let them keep some goats. They killed a bunch of kids for you because let's go back. So thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish the Amalekites for what they did for opposing the Israelites when they came out of Egypt. You bringing up some old shit. So because of that old shit, now go and attack Amalekite and utterly destroy all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So I can only assume that they must have killed everybody except some sheep and because the way this was always taught to me when I was in school was you're just supposed to obey like don't be stubborn don't ask questions don't think about like what you might think is a better idea do what the Lord says which also just happens to be what Samuel is saying because that's my whole thing too like why isn't God just been like hey everybody let's just have like a quick you know pop into a breakout room real quick so that everybody's on the same page but it sounds like he's whispering something to Saul and then you know or and then then he's saying something else to Samuel and it's just bad communication like this I'm sorry this like bothers me because I'm like what what <laughs> and the fact too is like just as you've take you know made women childless I'm gonna make your mama childish that's that's wild like first off don't bring up my mother well <laughs> She had to sleep with my uncle to have me. Oh my gosh. Um, 
No, that this was actually fairly entertaining. It made me think of uh, any incident in a movie where somebody gets usurped. Yes, this is a lot of palace intrigue. I and I do tend to like those types of stories because it reveals something of human nature, don't you think? Um, such as um for one the 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 unquenchable thirst for power um Mm. because it sounds to me like samuel like of course i was always taught to you know admire samuel because you know this is his book of the bible Mm -hmm. and he talked to god like god chose him to talk to but if i'm reading this story just as if no one had given me that priming i would not see samuel as a good character interesting like i see him as someone who chose a handsome country boy to basically be his mouthpiece <laughs> and um and is upset because he's not obeying him without question which is very similar to henry the eighth and the pope um and would that have been 15th century britain when he ended up you know separating he basically created the protestant church because him and the pope got into a beef of whether he could take another wife oh um i do not remember this story um it's very famous it's the reason why you know we're speaking english right now it's the reason that you know a lot of the english speaking world is protestant so who was the person that separated the church because they wanted to get divorced or something that's henry the eighth darling oh well you said something about taking a life so that was oh he wanted to kill his wife yeah yeah he wanted to take another wife take another wife oh i thought you said take a life i mean he did that too okay well (laughs) words rhyme so anyway they do but we're talking about the same person so yeah i do know this story (laughs) right right and it's it's important for people who don't know look into it like we think that like our religious lives are so spiritual but they're mostly political you know henry the eighth was in this context was ahead of his fucking time man like look at he was just like yeah i actually you know this bible shit man now i'm gonna go do my own thing and like it's like in chess because you that's why chess is like made it throughout the ages because basically it's a how there's there are pawns and then there's bishop there's the priest class and then there's the ruling class and then there's the workers like everyone is like in this thing and this is sort of a story when the ruling class is trying to outrank the priest class and the priests are like they're basically jockey and and really what's interesting it doesn't really seem like Saul he's new to the game so he doesn't understand the power dynamics he's really just trying to make the best decisions in the moment and he's not thinking about how he's gonna play it so that it was like oh no the lord told me to you know samuel is already like backed up it's like i told you that you have to do it like this and then even at the end it sounds like samuel was like man i wish i wish i we hadn't left like that man well that not even just that but also the fact that what i took from this is that you can do whatever well in the context of the henry of the eighth is like you can do whatever you want as long as you have money like all that religion all that shit not really though it it led to ultimately the collapse of 
Well, and I mean, that's a good thing. Like, the British Empire sucked. But yes. Like, but, like, Europe would have been a much more dominating force if it hadn't been splintered into Protestants and Catholics, which is ultimately a good thing because they weren't doing good things in the world and they should have had less power. But the also the takeaway from that is, the be, like, you can go do your own fucking thing and you'll be okay. And not really. Like, we're not... Saul's not okay. Well... I'm not talking about Saul. I'm talking about Henry VIII. Henry VIII wasn't okay. Okay. <laughs> like it was, it was a disaster. Like everyone ended up having to try to repair like this. I mean, it's a schism today where the Catholic church doesn't have as much power as it could if there wasn't a Protestant church. Like, so it works out okay for people who don't want to be oppressed by the Catholic church. Like it worked out for us, but it doesn't work out for the power players who wanted to have as much power as possible. Well, I'm not, I'm, I don't give a shit about them. I give a shit about the people who are trying to free themselves of this fucking oppression in these, in this fucking book. That's what I'm right. saying. Like you can, actually but like, break but you're saying that. you can do whatever you want and it works out. These people aren't even able to exercise doing what they want. These are, you know, you're talking about the pawns like these the kings and the the priests and things like that they're playing a high level game and if you mess up you lose a lot of power fair enough yeah it's um but like yeah you can go off and do your own thing but like henry the eighth like the whole the whole reason like people love elizabeth the first is because she was kind of able to keep Britain together because he um, basically Henry VIII set off a power keg and he didn't really he wasn't a good king he wasn't an intelligent person who understood the mechanics of politics the way that Elizabeth I did so he was just going off of impulse like I said he was listening to his dick like he just wanted to fuck Anne Boleyn to me that's the real lesson about how stupid history can be because of who people want to fuck now a bunch of people have to die kind of like Helen of Troy like oh we gotta launch a thousand ships because you wanna fuck this chick how about nah well (laughs) yeah how about nah but but it's like but you gotta eat though like they're in charge of the resources like this is this is the whole game and the idea that you get to kill the Amalekites because we're still mad because of allegedly what happened in Egypt, which I will bring up every time, is more than likely a myth that they're just using like, hey, remember that time I got you out of Egypt? It's like, okay, so we got to do whatever you say because you, you know, yes, kind of helped us out because even that wasn't that impressive. Yes. Um, but yeah, to me, this last line tells everything about how we're not dealing with an omniscient God. And the Lord was sorry that he made Saul king over Israel. What kind of fuck shit is that? Are you asking? Yes. Uh, well, I mean, maybe he just, I honestly don't think, I think he just made all that shit up. Really? Yeah. I mean, I think he just made all that up and just was like, hey. When I, you say I, he. Um... Samuel it's just like hey I talked to God he said you've been fucking up right it's always very convenient where he can be like hold on hold on hold on because it's like once again if God can talk to you I, I I don't never trust people who say that stuff God's talking to me but not you and, oh, and the, I'm really reeling over that thing where God's found someone better than you like man that's fucked up this sounds like things that i've heard women say to me i found somebody better that's what i'm you. saying like it, it's emotionally abusive yeah it is 
All right. Well, let's let the people know what they can anticipate on the next episode of the Bible Breakdown. So we're doing 16, 17, and 18 of Samuel 1. David's going to be anointed as a king. We get the David and Goliath story. That's a fucking classic. And then Jonathan's covenant with David is going to happen. So Jonathan maybe redeems himself or not. Mm Mm-hmm. Jonathan, oh fuck ass. So, um, yeah, so God's ready to move on to someone younger and hotter. <laughs> that that seems to be that would be David. Yes, yes. And I mean, and when we think of the it, it once again, once my I when I truly started getting an, a real education. Like all of a sudden, like all these artworks made so much more sense to me. Like you think of Michelangelo's David, it's a very sensual sculpture. And it's like, when you understand the story of David, it makes a lot of sense. He was on a lot of fuck shit. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Never so have... I'm excited. I can't, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm excited. I can't wait. Never have heard David to be viewed in that lens. So this will be all new to me. Well, and that's the thing, because we're we're only given the David and Goliath story, but David did a lot of stuff. Okay. And um and a lot of it was, is around fuck shit. Yeah, I think you're you're gonna be in for a treat. I think you're we're gonna have some fun with this. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh any last thoughts? Um, I'm just gonna do my sign off. Your body belongs to you. Have some fun with it. Um, all right. Get therapy. Um, people continue to exercise that muscle. Try to be better every day. Be curious, not judgmental. Also, um, you can always reach us at Bible Breakdown Podcast at gmail.com or you can reach us at Bible Breakdown Podcast on Instagram. Message us, please. Um, we always want to get better. So if you have, if, even if you don't feel like you want to necessarily contribute to the text conversation, you also just tell us different ways that you think we should uh, improve the show. I'm always looking to hear about that. Um, thank you for our new listeners. This is awesome. And uh, yeah, have a great one. See you soon. <laughs>